I need to introduce you to Anne. Hello? Yes, Anne, hi. Hi. Okay, we're all we're all now here, so hi again, Anne. I'm sorry, how do you pronounce your first name? It's Anurag. Anurag, okay. Okay, great. Well, I'm so glad you could meet us. Likewise. Well, we're really happy you could join us. We aren't, we're just going to jump right in, Anurag, you know, if that's yeah, okay sure. with you. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Let's do this. Chris, are you ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No hesitation there. All right. Well, let's start with Anurag. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a social entrepreneur. I have basically changed many careers in my life. Started off, you know, as an early entrepreneur in my early teens at a company that I started. That was before I moved to America to go to business school. That was a media and strategy firm brand, and we were in the marketing business. The interesting part over there was I was an engineer through my undergraduate study, so I knew nothing about marketing. So I learned on the job, literally. Started a company that eventually grew to 30 people in uh, three offices in two countries. Gave it all up and came to America to go to business school changed careers and got onto Wall Street because I fell in love with economics and finance. I did that for a good bit of 10 years where I was an investment banker and then I was in private equity. And then uh, I was teaching at Boston University, the business school, and I really discovered this passion for social entrepreneurship. Decided to leave Wall Street and start a company that was focused on education, solving uh, a real problem, doing something I really care about, and also developed and innovated to create a social enterprise which is now my company called Junior Explorers. Wow. What fun. So how did it come about to select Junior Explorers? So that is a, you know, that is a great question because, you know, I often say this where you can find a passion or sometimes a passion can find you. And I think in my case, I was just very fortunate that I was able to sort of almost get connected to a really important subject matter like nature and wildlife. So the story is that I spent a lot of time outdoors, traveled the world, lived in, you know, three different continents. As I was thinking about developing a social enterprise, I was looking for things that I was interested in that could do with a solution. You know, I started spending a lot of time in the wildlife and nature world, speaking to the nonprofits, the different stakeholders, the zoos, museums, the aquariums. And what seems to happen there was that Everybody was really focused on state of the planet. Everyone is focused on the state of the planet, right? I mean, from the Pope to the President, everyone talks about this. What yet seemed to happen was no one was really talking to the generation that is going to be the most impacted by what is going on, which is our kids. So it was an interesting intellectual problem for me to think about why that is the case. And as I dug deeper using all the business acumen and all the Wall Street acumen and business school acumen, I realized there was a massive, massive business opportunity because it's not that kids don't like animals. In fact, you know, I always joke about this. That I'm still looking for the one kid who doesn't like animals. And, <laughs> you true. Know, and parents, true. parents are really getting more and more conscious. The whole conscious consumerism movement is real. People are voting with their wallets. And I felt like the problem was not that there was no interest. The problem was that no one had curated an interactive learning-based platform that could teach kids and basically give them a really deeper understanding about nature and wildlife and really foster in them a love for the planet that would then instill in them a need to be better stewards of the environment. So that sort of evolved into what was a two-and-a-half, three-year process of learning and research and discovery into becoming junior explorers, 
where the mission of the company is to inspire a new generation of environmental stewards. Mm, I love that. And the website, I, I was just visiting it today. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But for those of us, people that are listening, give us a, in a nutshell what they're going to see when they go to Junior Explorer's website. So it is very simple. The idea is very simple. I think what we're trying to do here is we're trying to bring out all things positive about nature and wildlife. And the experience that we're trying to create here is really about instilling in every kid, and we focus on younger kids in the elementary age group, so 5 to 11-year-olds. And what we're really trying to do is focus on this identity in them as junior explorers where they can feel empowered. And we want to empower them with information and knowledge, but also empower them with the ability to take micro-actions and through these micro-actions really be able to become local champions in their communities, classrooms, and homes. So the user experience is very simple where we send them on virtual adventures every month to solve mysteries in nature. The idea there is very simple again, which is every month a kid, whether it's at home or in a classroom, should be able to go to the Amazon, the Arctic, the Serengeti, or the Great Barrier Reef and really through that experience learn about that ecosystem, that habitat, and all the things that are happening there from a conservation point of view. And we've made it very fun, so we've taken a leaf out of Carmen San Diego, the thing Carmen San Diego for Nature and Wildlife, and created right. a fun adventure story-based experience where kids get these adventure kits that come, come home in the mail, and they have collectibles and activities and information that is all sort of, you know, part of the, the mystery. And then there is a secret code which actually unlocks a rich online digital experience where, again, for 30 to 45 minutes every month, they have a immersive experience of learning and fun. And it's really interesting because we've also looked and studied at, you know, what works with kids. And what works with kids is that they are both tactile and digital. So we actually went about creating a user experience that combines physical with digital and is blended learning, which is another frontier of innovation in the education space. So it's mm -hmm. a blended learning program. It's adventure and story-based, but it's all rooted in science. So all the content is researched. We have experts, teachers, and scientists who have helped us put this together. And it's really exciting to see that kids are finally having fun learning, and they're learning about science. That's fascinating. So do you actually get touch and feel experience as well? That's right. So it's both. And that's, that's the beauty of this, Chris, because easy, it was actually, it would have been a lot easier as a founder for me to just create a company that was either only physical, right, physical toys, and there's lots of those out there, or just created an app, and there's plenty of those out there, or a physical world. But I felt very strongly that that would have been a disservice to what kids really want and how kids really engage and where they are. And we were really committed to this idea of letting kids be kids. So instead of trying to create something that we would change their behavior, we studied their behavior and created something that fits into that behavior. Because the identity of being a junior explorer is very important to us, we figured that you can't create that identity if you don't create something physical. So, you know, through the collectibles, whether it's badges and certificates and pins and wristbands and tattoos, uh, flashcards and all these fun collectible sort of tactile things that they can carry around in their backpacks and share with friends, that's really what makes them feel like junior explorers. Right? We couldn't have just done this through an avatar on the Internet. Well, no, that's exactly right. I, I have to agree with you. I mean, back in my very early youth, we used to collect cigarette cartons and you'd flick them against the wall and try and stack up as many as we could when we were, what, nine or ten? And, and that was collecting things. So I think you're right. Collecting something is really, really important. I had the same experience like you, and you were collecting cigarette cartons, and I was collecting 
you know, back in the day, Jungle Book, when I was growing up and I, and I was in school, Jungle Book was the big, big, big sort of thing. And mm-hmm. they were doing this promotion where back in the day when you had soda bottles, covers, you know, those things they had to pop open with the openers. Yep. They were doing the insides of those always had a different picture of one of the characters. And if you collected enough of those, you got rewards and prizes. I am happy to today admit, I didn't do it back then, that we were scavenging through garbage at times, trying to pick different <laughs> covers from restaurants because we wanted to get those prizes and we were so connected to this uh, like jungle book fans and followers. There's a terminology over here I learned. I'm, I'm from England and I soon learned it. it. I think you were dumpster diving. You were dumpster diving, everyone guessed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to know that there's a new form of diving. So, yes. I <laughs> yeah, was, there you go. And I could have I could have done with an oxygen tank while I was at it. I can tell you that too. I bet. Yes, I, I'm probably a face mask. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you the thing that I that intrigues me the most that I really really appreciate about what you've all that you've just shared is first of all anybody can go out and create a new toy or even a new line of collectibles. It's not that anybody can you know create an app that's educational. It's not that you use the word empower. I love that, that your emphasis on what's the, I don't know if I'd call it the theme or the flavor maybe of everything that you're trying to communicate to children is solution-based. It's positive and it's giving them a sense of their ability to actually make a difference. That is really awesome. Tell me more about that. Yeah, and I I appreciate you picking up on that because that is actually a core value of the company and a core value of us as founders and, you know, as people who think about this every day, right? So the whole paradigm here is that I strongly feel that the space that we represent, the space of nature and wildlife, has, for better or worse, been cast in a very different lens over the past, call it, three to four decades, right? I mean, when you look at all the information that comes into the consumer world, it actually comes from macro uh, organizations like the, the, the WWF, uh, you know, whether it's the Nature Conservancy, the conservation groups on the front lines, or it comes from the governments, and it comes from, uh, and it's all laden with the fear and empathy and the doom and gloom of how terrible things are. And the truth yeah. is that that is not far from the truth. But here's the problem with that. If you're going to try and raise money, and fundraising is your mandate, which, which is mostly the case with the nonprofits, then that works as a currency, right? I mean, I can I can guilt you into giving me $10 on a sweet corner or by right. sending you an email or by showing you how terrible things are and you can help today by giving me a donation. But yeah. if I'm trying to change behavior. So what I did as an academic was I studied this whole paradigm of how nonprofits and how actual change through of consumer behavior works. What I realized was that this whole idea is actually predicated on four different stages of engagement. The NGO world focuses on change through action. That is their mantra, right? Every NGO is talking about act right. now, act now, act now, and we can all create change. But what I realized was you cannot have action that will create the change if you don't create education and awareness before that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And education and awareness was something no one was focused on. So right. we took I took that, and then I realized to create education and awareness, to really create engagement, it has to be a message that is inviting. It is, it is fun. It is positive. It is interactive. Right. It doesn't take a rocket scientist 
to figure out that nature and wildlife has a lot of fun in it. It's beautiful. In fact, today on our Facebook page, we posted this video of two panda bear cubs trying to learn how to walk. And if that doesn't make your heart melt, you basically need to go and do a lot in your life. Yes, right, Mr. Grinch. You you have no heart in there if that won't melt your heart. That's and, true. But it's, but, but, but it's as simple as that, right? I mean, it's as simple well, it as is. showing what's beautiful and fun and just it lifts you. And as long as you're able to do that, you're going to be able to communicate and connect. And finally, kids are pure. So they've not yet been sort of taken over by all this messaging. So mm-hmm. if you take what's natural to them, which is a love for animals, every kid grows up with soft toys and characters like Simba and Muppet and all these things that are fun in their life, you just mm-hmm. add to that by showing them the real world where these characters actually live as real animals. If you can do that and then tell them, hey, John or I don't know, just any kid out there, now you can help this animal and the habitat this animal lives in by taking these micro actions and becoming a champion, that is real empowerment. That's how I yeah. define empowerment. That's how I define the mission of our company, which is we're building a global community of inspired and empowered young kids who will eventually then take on the mantle of being responsible environmental stewards. Well, I, I can add a little bit more to that for you. Please. When I was in, in London, I had a I was very unusual. I had a design and build company in in South London that worked in Central London, and we had a a shop front, believe it or not, which was most unusual for the type of business. But what we discovered was when the when the kids came and and, and visited us, and we used to encourage the local schools to come in on work exchange and all sorts of things. That the most uh, amazing thing was that the youngsters had no knowledge of animals such as farm animals cows they'd never visited a farm for example they'd never seen um, how milk was produced or anything like that we've so disjointed now that um, what you're doing is just the tip of the iceberg i suspect because i think in in food production and everything like that we we've really got to get back to showing our kids or our grandkids how because they're going to be they just think it comes from a supermarket I think you're absolutely right there, Chris, and I have the data to show show for it. I mean, in the two and a half, three years with the research that we did, we spent a lot of time on the front lines at speaking to parents and teachers and educators and folks that were, in my mind, responsible for passing on this knowledge and awareness and education, right? I mean, the world doesn't yeah. need a new company. The world doesn't need junior explorers if these people were able to do the job that we're trying to do. And what came out of it was a few very interesting sort of facts. One was that they themselves are not equipped with the knowledge, because this is at the end of the day science. So one anecdote I can share with you is I was in Boston at the New England Zoo, and we were standing in front of the African wild dog enclosure. Now, these are beautiful and rare and a very exotic you know, species of canine, and you really have to know a little bit about them to be able to actually talk about them. And there wasn't one of the docents and volunteers around. So there was this group that was there with a few adults. These little metal boards, they typically write small print about the animal was far away. What they ended up saying was, oh, check out these hyenas. Uh-oh. And I don't really blame them because they were still trying to do what was native to them in, in that they wanted to teach the kids. But even yeah. if they knew that these were African wild dogs, I think it gets a lot more interesting when you say, did you know that the African wild dogs are the greatest predator on the savannah, even greater than the lions? 
then you start talking about the fact that they live in packs and all the pack behaviors <laughs> in a fun way that kids will remember. Like, you know, I always say this. Can we leave them with a party fact, a cool fact that they can go and tell their friends, you will have no idea what I just learned today. I saw this crazy, crazy animal that is even deadlier than the lion in its native habitat. Oh, yeah, they can't wait to share that little bit of information with their friends, for sure. So those were the sort of uh, on-the-ground learnings that we had. And then when we spoke to teachers, another really, really critical fact emerged, which was as much as teachers and educators really want to and understand the significance of of this mission, they are restricted and in some ways, you know, handicapped because traditional curriculum, and we've all grown up with this, does not include environmental sciences. So this is not Mm -hmm. something which comes into the classroom naturally. So everyone is teaching, when you say science, it's physics, chemistry, and biology. So Mm -hmm. this is a new, you know, as my co-founder Sarah says, this is a new value, a new life value and virtue that parents and teachers have to now embrace and instill in our kids. So how are they going to do that? So we decided then that we were going to help these folks out and create a program that checked all the boxes. It was engaging. It was based on science and Czech curriculum standards like the Next Generation Science Standards in America. It was global, and it gave folks, 99% of people that we polled will never travel to places like the Amazon and the Serengeti or the Great Barrier Reef. For $19 a month, you can now send your kid all over the world and actually instill in them something that they will probably carry in their life as a real value. Correct. That's a great idea. It is. It's wonderful. It's, it's been given to you. You're a steward of it. You're, it's part of what you were supposed to bring. It's wonderful. So, you know, that's, it, it, it's really not that complicated. I mean, I, you know, I always, I, I consider my job as a founder and CEO to really evangelize the mission because once you understand why we're doing this and why this is important, I have still to come across a parent or a teacher or even a kid that doesn't want to get involved. At the end of the day, this may be a brilliant business idea that will hopefully become very successful, and we're starting to see a lot of signals and signs in that in towards that mission, but it's really people embracing the need for it that I think is going to be our challenge because people are not used to thinking about nature and wildlife in the way we're trying to make them think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what you're trying to do is uh, generate a uh, generation of change, and the secret is literally the children because us adults don't like change very much. We like to be set in our ways. But the children are all ears because they, they know that something happened, but they don't quite understand what. So what you're doing is filling in the, the jigsaw for them, which is just wonderful. And it's working. We have kids who are now, you know, making their parents recycle. We have kids who are switching off the, the light in their bedrooms when they leave or their light. They understand why carpooling is good for the planet. They understand, yeah. and, you know, our program has these components to it. And so in the first month, we send them what is their Junior Explorer welcome kit. And in there, we give them a water bottle that is BPA-free, and we say a good Junior Explorer does not buy bottled plastic water. And we explain to them how that is damaging because if it's not biodegradable, it takes 400 years or 300 years to decompose on the bottom of the ocean surface. So all of a sudden, a 7-year-old is now not just aware but is empowered with that information where the next time someone is buying a bottle of water, this seven-year-old can actually become a local champion and become an evangelist for the planet and say, <laughs> I don't think you should be buying that because that's going to take 300 years to decompose. And do you want that on your conscience, sir? 
It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. If we can, <laughs> it's if, perfect. If we, can even get, if we can get a million kids to go out there and do this, and every one of those kids can touch 10 people, we've just touched 10 million people. And if you study carbon footprint and plastic footprint and all of these very heavy scientific concepts, it's just a, it just breaks down to numbers. If more people mm. come together and take the right action, the amount of pollution, the amount of emissions, and the amount of plastic that we are releasing into the environment is going to drastically change. I mean, the average American creates five pounds of trash every single day. Mm-hmm. I, I, this, I just absolutely love this. I, I built my, the first green roof I built was in 1984 in London. The idea that we're actually managing to reach people now because I think the internet's helped you enormously because before that I don't know how you would have done it but th- this ability to reach out educate is just wonderful what's next Arunga what's next what do you what do you what? see happening next or how do you plan to continue to evangelize your product well I think we're, we're just we're just getting started here and I think what's emerged in the last so our corporate history is we took a good bit of about a year and a half to develop the user experience and the first version of the product. We launched the product about a year ago, and we mm-hmm. saw tremendous feedback from it. In our first year, we shipped over 10,000 of these adventure kits all over the country, all 50 states. We actually got so much interest globally because of something that was global that in September last year, we launched in Brazil and Portuguese. And we launched in Singapore as our first country in Asia. You can't really talk about conservation and not go to Brazil, India, and China, the three countries that actually have all the biodiversity and the numbers to really make a difference. No offense to the Europeans, but it doesn't really move the needle much if you go and talk to a smaller population of people that are already doing all the right things, right? So, right. you know, yes. the vision is... So the vision, the vision has become global, and I think what we're really getting excited about is that people are looking at this and saying, huh, this actually is working. This can actually make a difference. This is great. Mm-hmm. So in the last three months, we've had three strategies emerge for the company that we're really, really focused on right now. So the first is the direct-to-consumer model where, you know, every parent that cares and every educator who cares and every homeschooler who cares can come and take advantage of this learning experience, and subscribe for their kids. The second big opportunity for us is working with educators. So we are now developing curriculums and lesson guides and teaching plans, and we just did a pilot across 30 schools in Rhode Island where, you know, we gave teachers our monthly adventures, but we gave them with that resources, like a curriculum, like a lesson guide, like assessments, and ways to teach this in the classroom and it was nice. a complete blowout success. Nice. That has now encouraged us to really develop, and we're working on developing teacher materials that will be good for in-classrooms, after-school programs, homeschools, and even libraries, right, because that's another mm-hmm. place where kids congregate. So we're looking at that as a very big opportunity for us, and we're very fortunate that we have first more advantage and opportunity to actually create this. The third big channel, which actually was not something that, we had realized it was going to be as meaningful was the zoos, aquariums, and museums of the world. And let me, mm-hmm. let me share with you a very interesting angle over there. So we are here in New York City, right? And we have the Bronx Zoo here. There's 4 million people that visit the Bronx Zoo every year, of which 2 million are kids, and every single school in the tri area has an annual visit 
Chinese locals are going to acquire them. Here's the problem. These institutions have been desperately trying to reach audiences beyond their campus walls because they're fighting the mindshare battle with the Disneys of the world and the Marvels of the world and the Facebooks of the world because they don't control that audience outside their campus. So they're desperately trying to engage this audience and make kids want to visit the local institutions where they can actually learn something about nature and wildlife. Two is schools that have these visits are desperate to try and make what should be a learning experience and ends up becoming a picnic a little more engaging. So there really is no before and after and during learning experience. So we started getting incomings from these institutions saying, could you help us develop Junior Explorers Bronx Zoo kit or a Junior Explorers Aquarium kit that tells the story of the institution and makes a learning experience happen in the classroom before the visit, actually makes the on-site visit much more engaging for millions of kids, and then they can take a piece of that home and continue to engage with the institution, the content, and, and their work. So there is 200 million people that visit zoos and aquariums in this country every year, and we have an opportunity to engage that audience on behalf of these institutions. Arunga, how can our listeners find you and find out about your, your kits and about the program? We'd love to hear from people for various reasons. I mean, one thing is you can, you can get involved, you can, be, you can sign up, and you can be a partner. If you speak to this audience, you can work with us. If you work with a nonprofit that can use our product platform, you could, you could come and reach out to us. The easiest way to reach us is, if it's personal, it's email, it's founders at juniorexplorers.com. So it's founders, that's plural. Uh, we have a Facebook page called Junior Explorers. Uh, we're very active on social media. Our Instagram handle is Junior Explorers. Our Twitter handle is Junior Explorers. And we, we are on the internet. As you said, the internet has made reaching people really easy. So whether it's through LinkedIn, Skype, uh, I don't know, any, any form of communication, we'd love to hear from people who care and who want to be involved and have ideas and ways to help us really make this what it's supposed to be, a global idea with a global community. And we have the website, juniorexplorers.com. Awesome. So on that website, they can go in, sign up, and start receiving their kits. And it's uh, you said it's like $20 a month, basically, $19 a month. It's $19 a month, but we offer the program in one, three, six, and 12-month subscriptions. So the, the more months you get, the cheaper it becomes. So it's about starts at 19 and can go as low as 16. Perfect. Well, for what you're offering people, that sounds like an incredible price point. And it's such a pleasure, Arunga, to, to hear about what you're doing. It really is. I wish you the best. I know it's going to take off for you. I just feel it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Can I just add one more thing that I, that I think you Yes, absolutely. Is, which is that our company is actually set up as a benefit corporation, which is a B Corp. And a B Corp is a certification that's given to a company when an independent body comes in. It's like what fair trade is for coffee and leaders for construction. B Corps mm-hmm. are companies like The Honest Company and Wobby Parker and Kickstarter are all B Corps, the uh, seventh generation. It basically certifies you as a business that is using for-profit businesses for doing good in the world and having an impact. And the reason why I bring this up is because as a company and a certified B Corp, we give a percentage of our profits back to conservation on the front lines. In fact, we have also found a way to teach kids how to give back where when kids play our games online and complete their mission, they earn points. And at the end of every mission, we take 100 points from the kids and we convert them to eco-credit and we show them two real-world conservation projects happening on the front lines of that ecosystem. And this is a great way for us to also partner with the nonprofits we uh, partners we have. Mm-hmm. Kids have to allocate these 100 points to complete their mission, and the company matches those points with $1 
and give that to those projects on behalf of that kid. So, I mean, just think about if a million kids all over the world are playing every month, then the company gets to give a million dollars to real-world frontline conservation work and support, you know, the people that are doing all the hard work. Wow. That's just wonderful. That is. Wow. That is awesome. Well, it's been a, a real pleasure. I think I can speak for Chris. Absolutely. We'd, we'd like to uh, revisit with you um, maybe uh, six months down the road, if that's possible. Yeah, kind of see how things are trending. Well, I would love that. I'll be in the concrete jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably will be too, so we'll, we'll connect somehow. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your interest. I appreciate you telling our story, and more importantly, I appreciate your response because in some ways you guys are the barometers of whether we're on the right track here or not. So I get excited when I see you getting excited. Yeah, you're, you're definitely on the right track. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because we've found that our little um, show has become quite listened to, which is really wonderful. Um, and the more we can do this, the better, because all we're doing is getting your word out to as many people as possible. Yeah, I definitely and, you think know, you're on the right track. Definitely. I agree with Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And we, we're certainly very appreciative of this direct way of speaking to an audience as opposed to, you know, having to message them through other forms of media and stuff. And we, we have a strong community ourselves. So, you know, whenever you guys are ready to put this out, we would love to do our part. Sure. That, that sounds great, Chris. Absolutely. You know, I hope people can take away, which is... We're actually speaking to you from a little village outside, well, I suppose you call them cities, but it's actually a village, outside Kansas City. And in this village an old traditional farm that's used uh, an educational site, and 16,000 children visit the farm every year. Wow. And there's only 1,400 people living in the village. Really? Yeah, really. So, so, So these are kids that come from the city, I take it. Are these school trips? Yep, they're all school trips, and they see all the animals and everything in in uh, the conditions they would have seen them in, say, 1901. So, so here's a very... On a farm. Here's, here's such a simple user case, right? All, all we would do if we were in a position to, and we would love to actually do this even for these guys, is create an explorer kit that tells the story of the farm well, so that these 16,000 kids can learn about it before, exactly. during, and after. Yep. Well, we can definitely go and talk to Steve for you and have a chat. He is a wonderful guy. It's just amazing what they get up to. Yeah, Chris can make that connection happen for you. I and think it would be just great. One little farm, you know, here in Kansas. I mean, little places like that are nestled all over the country. Um, so that'd be awesome. I mean, it's it's not the two million children or however many is two hundred thousand. However many are coming to New York, but but John might be. It's our little corner of the world. And well, but it matters, right? I mean, to me, these sixteen thousand kids are as important in, in their contribution exactly. or, their, or their impact in the future. So, well, if, you know, if you think about it, it's probably most of the kids in Kansas City. It's incredible, really. Yeah. Um, so we're really, I mean, this is something which I'm really glad you brought that up, Chris. Thank you for that, because we can now assess the way the model works for us, because what we're saying to people is we've spent two years and over a million dollars developing a product platform and an expertise that we want you to consider as an open source offering for you as a farm that would never be able to afford it to just partner with us and let us give you the opportunity to tell your story beyond your walls. 
I think you guys have had great questions. I think this has been a really fun chat. So I look forward to it. And uh, if you're ever in, in our neck of the woods around here in New York or Brooklyn, <laughs> please let us know. And we'd love to get a cup of coffee with you guys. I may reach out to you guys in April as well because we're about to launch a Kickstarter campaign around Earth Day. All Wonderful. right, Arunga. Well, thank you again. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very Many much. Many blessings. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you all for listening today. We really appreciate your support and tuning in on Growing Trends. Again, make sure to look for us on growingtrends.org for the podcast, or we all are, are on iTunes. You can look for us as Growing Trends there as well. Look for the blonde and the Brit, and then you'll know that must be them. Thanks for Man and Chris.